Hey, coconuts! Welcome back to weekly market updates. This week, we talk about Square earnings call. Well, that will be towards the end of the episode. But first, we have to bring up the Ukraine-Russia crisis. What does it have to do with the stock market? It has been making the news recently, and at the time of posting, Russian troops have been given the orders to enter Ukraine. While we are not political experts, this presents a good opportunity for us to think about how major world events like this can affect the stock market and the way we invest while we keep our mind on fundamentals. It's going to be a great episode. Can't wait for you to hear it. Let's go. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, coconuts, welcome back to weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. And Jefferson. Welcome hey. to the new week. Hey, Jeff. Good to have you back, man. Hope, hope you're feeling better. A lot, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Got that booster. Terrible oh, booster, the booster shot, <laughs> Yeah. Give me oh. dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, all right, listeners. For today, we have a pretty interesting topic. We realized that from our last podcast, you love talking about the Ukraine-Russia crisis, and um, we thought we we talk a little bit about that today, right? So, really, what what the Ukraine-Russia crisis has to do with the stock market, and um, that's the first first couple of topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, one specifically in stocks, right? So, how would that relate to your portfolio? How would that relate to investing in the next few months as well. And last but not least, we're going to bring up our good old stock earnings, right? So Square just had its earnings and um, Anthony is going to be taking us through that. All right, to kick start, who is it first? Oh, it's me. Okay, cool. You, yes. Let's <laughs> go. <Yeah. laughs> first. All right, guys. All right. So, so tell me, right, during this war, during all of this, are tech companies the safe haven during war? I guess that's a that's a question I have for you guys. Do you think it would be? <laughs> okay, Jefferson, you are shaking uh, your head, right? Why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes and no, I guess. I mean, there's, there's certain tech company that I read about, like maybe more so in the defense tech or, you know, all, all those uh, technological company that's... Um, deals with, say, geographical mapping and stuff like that. Yeah, I would see some, you know, potential in that. But we're going to talk about stuff like uh, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be very much um, muted, I, I, I would assume. Maybe a little bit affected here and there by supply chain. But, yep, you know, yep. it's the mm. old story that we have all discussed. Yeah, but what, what about you guys? Yeah, Anthony, what do you think? I, I don't know, right? I, I was, I was going to say that it's slightly different. It's, it's really a flight to safety, right? And I mean... Mm. Sure, you can fly to safety in gold. Maybe you'll fly to like Bitcoin if, if for whatever reason you believe it. But there, there's also that, that traditional thing of blue chips, right? And and that's maybe where you know, the big tech comes into play now that they have kind of supplanted your, your Goldman, your cities, your, your big utilities as the blue chips that you, you kind of run to in, in times of crisis. Because, you know, your, your, your war, well, Google will still be Google, right? I mean, Ukraine might not be able to use Google search or... or Russia might not be able to use Google search, but the search business still works, you know, it's 99% unaffected. And yeah, that's, that's why they're safe haven, right? They're big. 
and mm. and if you know it's it's uncertain times, you you run to to the safe stock that won't die, then and that that could be what's causing it, right? So so if it's like Google, Apple, I cannot see the point. If it's maybe like tech banks like SoFi, um, I don't know, Ally Bank, what whatever, you kind of see the point as well, right? So so it's it's this nice intersection of well, they're big, their business models unaffected, it, it's all safe versus the non-profitable or the fast-growing tech companies that we like talking about that have been dying for the past three months. Those, those are not blue chip by any measure. So, so those yes, will continue. Yes, of course. Yeah, going up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I think you it, it's fair, right? So I, I found it a little bit shocking, in all fairness. So when the Ukraine-Russia uh, crisis hit, stocks actually dropped, right? Or most of the stock market started decreasing. Um, we saw we saw the Dow decrease, we saw S&P decrease. But within the same trading day, big tech actually rose. Now, hear me out. Microsoft actually closed 5% higher on the first day of war. Apple closed 1% higher. Oracle closed 3% higher. Adobe and Salesforce jumped 8 and 7% respectively within the day, right? So it dropped <laughs> and then it shot up again. For me, that's that's insane, right? I would never have thought big tech to be the the flight to safety. I would have thought, you know, gold and so on. What are your thoughts here? You can see that you can I, see I that. No, I, I I don't. I think you know it's the same old story. Let let's try not to be be too ready to to give stories where where there might be none. Right? It, it could just be a coincidence, right? Because the the whole lead up in the week, you know, markets have just been performing badly in anticipation of war. And it finally happened, and, and I think the US you know, announced measures, and the measures were weaker economically than expected, right? So, so the first mm. round of sanctions on Thursday night, US time, were well, weak um, in the sense that, oh yeah, they were, they were weaker than expected. And, and if, we, if we need a reason for the rise, I think that's probably the, the best, you know, proximate reason to give in, in the sense that, well, you know, then, then we don't need to worry that much about inflation because we're not sanctioning the banks, we're not removing them from SWIFT. You know, we are not sanctioning oil flows. We're not sanctioning gas flows. So my economy still performs and, and I, I wouldn't get higher inflation. And therefore, you know, my, I, I can still grow as a market, right? And it's that bit of relief, maybe, that psychological, that, that pushed it up. I, I don't know if it's flight to safety. And frankly, I, I don't think anybody actually knows that this is, this is just somebody, this is just newspaper reporters having to tell the story, right? Every day they'll tell you it went up because of this, it went down because of this. But is it really? Uh, well, we'll see. No one knows. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff, what do we think? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with him, right? Uh, with Anthony's thoughts, in in that sense, if you if you want to say that it's flight to safety, I, I mean, then maybe you expect a little bit more moves in terms in, in crypto as well, right? Because like, oh yeah, everyone like Ukraine, Russia having to rush to, uh, you can't use fiat anymore <laughs> and then going into crypto. But you don't see the same. Oh no, no, that, that, the that's the narrative for today. Oh, sorry, for yeah, that first March. <laughs> that, that's today's move. Yeah, that's different, not last week. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you see the you see the thing is that is is all is all uh, conjure up news, right? Because like you need to if the media can't explain something, then it has to be attributed to an factor in that sense. Um, totally agree with what Anthony was saying. Um, but I, I do think that maybe if you talk about, say, like um, on the front of like Tesla doing well because, say, uh, like 
what, what you have the Starlink, right? That they, they issued. Oh yes. Uh, the first test in Ukraine. Yes. Then maybe maybe in that sense, like that successful test that you know is a lofty plan that it finally worked mm-hmm. out. It paid. He paid off. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, we 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 can attribute that to you know the the big tech success in that in that yeah. sense. But yeah, I think it's still too myopic to to just attribute saying like, hey, big tech is. Uh, is the reason for a flight to safety and and everything else? Yeah, I I, yeah. I don't see. I, that I think ju- just just to add a bit onto that, you like if there are clear business reasons, okay, fine, you can attribute it, right? Like BP needs to sell its stake or essentially right now a twenty five percent stake that's two billion dollars worth, and market cap drops two billion. Okay lah, you know you 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 see the reason and then you go okay, fine, of this course. is maybe the story, but you know if it's more fluffy that oh yeah it's sentiment changing people taking profits how do you know I don't know who wins or who loses I don't even know whether I'm profiting right? much less everybody else in the market so yep. you know I, I think we, we have to be a bit careful when, when we're looking at you know um, market news and, and people trying to explain movements because it could just be random yep it could be completely a coincidence I mean one thing that I also know is that um, I under, rather I understand is that Ukraine also hosts a lot of programmers, right? Okay, so before of all of this, there are a lot of programmers in Ukraine for Europe, for the world, that actually code in these big, big companies. Um, so when I was, you know, looking through it and seeing it, it was actually a little bit uh, of a question mark for me as well, because I know that the programmers are in here, so they can't effectively work. So how would that relate, right? Um, so I think that's that's one thing to note. I think on another point as well, the semiconductors, right? Now, they, they may not be linked and all of that, but semiconductors actually closed a bit higher as well. Now, whether that is regards to the industry, whether that's regard to the war, I'm not entirely sure. I think I did re- even read some articles to say semiconductor closed high because of the war, whether it's a flight to safety or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I found it quite weird because I would expect supply constraints. I would expect, sorry, supply chain constraints. I would expect all of that to happen. Uh, especially in quarter one for semiconductors. What, what do we think? Yeah, I think, you know, well, I, I don't know if Ukraine had, or, or even Russia has any fabs in that sense to, to create semicons, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's sure in China, it's in Taiwan, yeah. it's in US, some parts of it is in Europe, um, the machinery. I don't think Russia has a big part in that chain, right? There, there might be supply chain issues in terms of, well, ships can't really leave and therefore the, the whole you know shipping industry is affected. Maybe, maybe not. We, we don't know enough, to be honest, um, to, to tell whether, whether that will be the case, except that in general, there'll be supply chain issues. And, and mm. I think semicon just seems like a, a weird place to, to say it. I mean, if, if it was agriculture, you know, oil, gas, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to agree because that's yes. the key export. So, so if, if they are sanctioned, it's blocked off, you know, Ports are blocked, then then well, fine, right? That's that's supply chain issues Absolutely. everywhere. But or if pipelines, it's just, yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, pipelines. Um, but if it's just some generic, or oh, there might be changes in supply, and well, we know semicon is a, as an industry is is already facing a supply crunch, and and this will yep. exacerbate it. I don't think the causal link is that clear. Maybe the the, the author's father than me, and he knows something better. And uh, hopefully, he explains it better. But you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day, I think that's it. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Right, like, like it, it, it's all about the causal links, I, right? <laughs> Jeff? Yeah, I I mean, I, I guess one of the things that we can think about is also like how um, in the semicon industry, right? Uh, I mean, limited understanding for sure. But from what I know is that 
you need neon gas. Yeah, so yep. neon gas is a consumable for which the the usage volume is low within the the wafer manufacturing mm. uh, right. process. So the the thing about it is that um, Russia does produce uh, this neon gas, but I don't think it's such a big impact in that sense. But definitely, it will it will sort of like reshape the the different companies. Uh, cost formula and if you want to think from a different point of view it's also like how you have China you know pair growing uh, Taiwan as well <laughs> and Taiwan is also a big producer of semicon. Yeah, yeah so now now if you put it in that way then you can see like oh maybe it's just a little bit of the the geopolitical reasons for which um, mm. like I mean your American semiconductor companies become like that flight to safety yeah because it's the best alternative uh, in this whole conflict right now, right? To produce yeah. the the necessary mm. chips that people demand. Yeah, that's that's yeah. how I can see or, it as well. Yeah. Or, or supply gets even more constrained so, so they can Absolutely. push prices up even higher. Yeah, yeah of course. That yeah. could be. Cool, yeah. I thought this was an interesting topic to just discuss with and, and get a coconut to listen to as well. Um, and, and know that, right? Just make sure we know what we read. Make sure we can find some sort of causal links and that's what we're here to do. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll know more in the coming weeks whether it's actually true. But uh, <laughs> it's yet to be said. The time I, thing. I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. I hope it ends, right? I really just hope it ends. Yeah. This is not a nice timeline. No, no. All right. Um, off to war. Jeff, what is it good for? <laughs> yeah, I... I don't think okay, anything guys, really... Okay, guys, you shouldn't be laughing about this. Come on. That's true. That's true. I was just making. I don't think anything really good comes out of war, right? Correct. Because mm. like the whole humanitarian cause of war is paramount above all. But given the fact that you know we are we are podcasts and we got to talk about about it, then we definitely have to focus on what everyone wants to know: the ramifications to uh, across the different markets, right? So I mean, absolutely. I I I did have some thoughts about it, and um, I'm gonna limit myself to just Tell us. the US <laughs> and uh, Asian economies. By the yeah, way, before, by, before, the way before, by the way, Jeff, yeah. before you go on, when I say what is it good for, you're supposed to say absolutely nothing, right? It's a quote from a song. In case, in case you didn't know, <laughs> you're too young. Man. I didn't catch that. <laughs> Bro, yeah, I think you're showing your age or cash. Oi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess what's what's top of your head for, for you guys? Like when, when you guys heard about the Ukraine war, like what potential impact do you guys foresee uh, on your end? Maybe Rakesh, you want to go first? Um, honestly, for me, I didn't know what to expect. I expected it to decrease, okay. right? Um, mm-hmm. But by how much, I don't know. Um, in my mind... And, and as an amateur investor, I was just thinking, whatever happens, I trust the fundamentals of my company. <laughs> I, I'm going to just hold because it, this, will, this will, like everything, right, will go up. And I just have to hold again. Um, for me, the, the two variables, one was the war, so I knew it was going down, but I didn't know by how much. The other one was the FOMC, right, and what they're going to do in terms of interest rate hikes, et cetera, et cetera. These two things... I thought in my head it's going to go down. I don't know by how much, maybe 10, 20, 30%, but I just have to hold. Anthony? Anthony, what about you? I, I don't know. I, I just thought, oh yeah, people react strongly to this because it's bad, right? And, and it's sad and, and people don't like war. So not the markets to sell down, but really if, if you look at, well, at least my portfolio, which is, well, REITs heavy in, in Asia and like bank heavy and 
in, in Singapore and, and tech heavy in, in the US, it, it, it's not going to affect any of it. Right. I, I don't I don't hold Lockheed, you know, I I don't hold oil and gas companies. If I did, I'll be worried. <laughs> um but I, I don't hold any of these. So it's like, oh yeah, probably nothing will affect my portfolio. But the market will go down in general. Time to buy. Um after it stabilizes. That, that was my thought. Unfortunately, because on Thursday I was like, Oh yeah, ten thirty PM. You know, I'll wait for eleven, the, the pre market, you know, settles down a bit and then I'll start buying at eleven thirty, put my buy orders, all that. But yep. they decided to not have good sanctions, so I couldn't average in, which was mm. terrible. Um, right. <laughs> but I think that, that was pretty much the, the play, right? It's like, yeah, but markets will overreact, but it will go back up in the longer run. I like my companies. It's not going to be affected the, to the extent I can see it. So I'll buy um, and, and lower my cost base, but that just did not happen. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, for myself, I think the first thing that came to my mind was FOMC, right? Like, what exactly mm. the Fed's going to do? Yeah. And number two Macronet. was really like how <laughs> when I just scroll through TikTok, right? I mean, <laughs> on top of the fact like how people were talking about the, the whole Ukraine-Russia invasion and stuff like that. Um, I also see people started talking about, oh, buy the dip, buy the dip, you know, like this oh. is an oppor- uh, opportunity to buy the dip. People yeah, I think we have been fast. so... Sorry? People bought the dip yeah. too fast. It's like by one yeah. AM, thirty people are buying the dip. Right? It's like what the fuck, guys? Come on. <laughs> I think Give that's the day. result of the systematic traders, uh, not not the yeah. retail guys. Yeah, not not, not the but guys on TikTok. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> yeah. But I I think one of the things to think about is that we have been so conditioned by the fact that you know, like uh, the the central bank will just support us uh, true and true right uh, through mm. such a situation and we uh, ourselves we, we haven't really seen a, a full-blown war in that sense uh, where you see a country getting invaded and tra- threatened to be taken over so to us it's just like oh yeah you know it's just another uh, buy the deep opportunity which is I think in some sense um, needs to change and that's that's what's going to happen in, in, the, in the coming uh, rate heights as well. Um, and of course, like what you guys have mentioned, I, I think there's definitely the potential of it having to be a lot more volatile, but thankfully not. Um, but I think right now, what's, what, what we are seeing in the, in the short-term interest rate space as well, there's a, there's a caution from quite a few uh, economies and rate strategies saying that there's potentially a liquidity crunch happening because of all the different sanctions that is being imposed mm-hmm. on Russia as well. So like how you ban SWIFT on them, right. uh, yep. that's going to have an impact uh, on payments. There may be missed payments as well ah, okay. that can be huge Correct. affecting the, the different markets as well. So... I think it's an interesting space or interesting uh, way to see uh, see it. So liquid, li- liquidity might actually come back again. Yeah, yep. cheap liquidity. Right. Sorry, so the Fed will... take, take us through that, yep. uh, Jeff, right? Just a little yep. bit more in, in, in deeper there. So banks, uh, I mean, with the SWIFT issue and then sanctions on, on Russia, so on and so forth. I think only with EU at this moment in time, I'm not entirely sure. How would that reduce the liquidity? Yep. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not really songs? announced yet. Ah, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's not, it's not announced... Uh, as of yet, but what's going to happen is that um, right now, if they actually do impose the the, the whole, they weaponize SWIFT uh, against mm. Russia, then uh, what's going to happen is that you have Russia companies that have uh, basically have a lot of holdings uh, elsewhere, right? So mm. they're unable to, you know, retrieve their, their foreign holdings, uh, mostly in USD in that sense. 
and that's going to be an issue if they have to pay they have to pay up uh, for their workers that's just upfront right uh, mm. workers cost your labor cost and what's not all of which uh, accounts for something and if you have mispayment across the supply chain itself it's going to trickle <laughs> down so at one point it's going to cause an issue for for people because um, the financial system is no longer smooth running in that mm. sense and that's what what exactly happened uh, during the COVID crisis in March 2020. So right. the Fed eventually stepped in and said, hey, we are going to do this whole FX swaps intervention across the different central banks and then I lend you guys USD um, to just tight through the whole situation, which result in the whole, you know, uh, liquidity. Uh, I, I don't want you to call it like we, we cheap liquidity yeah, that we have right now. Yeah. yeah. Excess liquidity. Yes. Excess, yes. yes. <laughs> it's probably a better yeah. word. I, I think um, I read the same article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, um, like there's this guy, Zoltan Pauza from Credit Suisse. He he writes very good pieces on uh, such things in the money market space. Um, I, I, I like his, his stuff. Um, and he's one of the few that has been cautioning about it. Um, he's, he's like the oracle in, in this space. Right. So potentially that that might be a that might be an issue as well. And yep. maybe moving on to the Fed, yeah, I mean it's a it's good 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 leading anyway. Um, I think there's still going to be hike in in March for sure, but a fifty basis point move maybe not so much um, because right now they have to wait and see what's going on. I mean they are not directly affected by the war in that sense, but mm, right, um, right. with whatever I've been saying about liquidity and everything else, it's something that will impact the Fed's decision to wait and also to see where uh, inflation will take them, right? Yeah, that's that's a couple of things that I, I, I potentially see. Yeah. What about you guys? Any any thoughts around this? I, I don't know. I, I think the, the the short-term rates markets at least seem to be pricing in more of a, more, more likelihood of a 25-point hike than 50, right? which, which kind of makes sense, right? Because you don't, I think the, in case this conflict drags down and we don't know whether it will, the, the, the fear might be that, well, the, the Fed comes and go, okay, I'll, I'll raise by 50. And, and, but the conflict escalates and they decide to sanction gas and they sanction oil and that adds further inflationary pressure in the US, right? And, and, and decelerates economic growth. I think that that's going to be the, the scarier part of it. And that just means that the, the Fed might have overcorrected a bit. So, so slow and steady seems to be the, the more well, reasonable approach here, which, which makes sense to me, like, at least from a layman's perspective. So, so yeah, that, 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 I mean, I, I wouldn't be too, too unhappy with like, a, a slow hike and, and just hiking every month or every other month. Yeah, man. I think for me, it, it really de- depends as well. So I think there's, there's a lot of balls in the air, you know what I mean? Like just literally just juggling all over the place. Um, and the Fed is trying to balance, <laughs> like what Anthony is saying, right? It doesn't want to be too much the other way. And I think we have we have covered this, but I think that war aspect and this geopolitical or this this politics aspect of things to the to the point of of cheap liquidity, as you call it, excess liquidity, could be a big factor, right? Um, so for me, twenty five basis points, fifty basis points. I hope it's twenty five. <laughs> um, so my, my stocks can rise a little bit more, right? Being selfish. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I, mean, I, I, I don't live in the US, right? So it's exactly. fine. US inflation exactly. rate doesn't really it, well, it affects, affects our stock prices, right? But that's about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my, um, my, my type bug is raising by more than 7.5%. <laughs> actually, actually, I don't believe that's true. You know, the, the indirect, um, 
cases of the interest rate hike will affect Singapore, right? Because we are, aren't we pegged to the US? Yes. So that I'm sure there is some down trickle down effects as well. Um, there, so, there, there will be. Um, I, th- I think we, we have a quite different inflation outlook and, and what our inflationary pressures are also slightly different. Um, and then how you measure it is also different, of course. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a bit tongue in cheek to say that I don't care about the US, but you know, yes. I, I, I'm, okay, I, I would, I would focus a bit, a lot more on Singapore inflation and and how much my rice costs me. <laughs> Good point. Anyway, uh, before as as that digress, I just wanted to point out to the coconuts if you are interested in how Singapore is, you know, Singapore's inflation and all that is related to the US interest rates, please drop us a note right on our Telegram. We're happy to do a deep dive into it. Right, but we'll only do it if you guys want to hear. So please let us know. <laughs> pluck, pluck, pulled. Uh, Jeff, please continue before we digress again. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, um, it's, it's kind of a segue as well, right? Into the, I think it's good to also look at what, what we are going to do, the Asian economies, right? right? Mm. How this whole thing is actually affecting us. And... Um, I mean, one one straight up thing apart from the rice having to be more expensive is that you know, oil, like a petrol has essentially increased Absolutely. by twenty twenty one percent right off the bat uh, from the from the war, right? And right now, if you see uh, the Asian economies, predominantly we have been uh, so conditioned by the fact that hey, the the few global teams, right, which is rising inflation, uh, repricing of the developed markets, uh, rate hike cycles. These have been the drivers of uh, growth and rates in Asia. But going forward is that how will then the war uh, affect all of us in that sense is that I think there's a couple of things, right? One is straight up, we all know, higher commodity prices. Things are going to be a lot more expensive. Malaysia, uh, it's going to benefit for it for sure because they are positive oil and uh, gas trade balance country. So there's a few other countries that will benefit from it. But all in all, you're going to expect uh, supply chains to be a lot more expensive. Number two is you will see the global core rates having to rise. Then eventually, you know, the Asia economies will have to... uh, raise the rates, uh, but it's going to be more gradual in that sense. It's always mm-hmm. wait and see what the US is doing, then we follow. Always the case. So, it so we still we still can hold on to the housing loans that we all have. Yeah, for now, <laughs> don't have to refinance it yet. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. Don't, don't own property, uh, then it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the last one is probably more of a like how how this whole thing is going to affect us, right? With the geopolitical tension. You have China, Taiwan right now uh, being at transgression with each other, uh, Russia, mm. Ukraine, and then uh, Myanmar as well. You have a conflict right there. Like, are all these going to just excavate in that sense? Will, will we have more uh, transgression across the world? And if we do, then um, definitely we're going to see a greater swing in terms of your your global resentiments. You don't want it to be a norm in that sense. One, is not great for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Two, is definitely not great for our portfolio as well because uh, there's going to be a lot more greater risk aversion. And yeah, I wish not to see see that happening, to be honest. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, right? Like like you read some commentary and, and they go, oh yeah, this is the, like the, the sanctions the US and EU are facing. It's effectively like what they what they are planning to to place on China in case something happens. Like it's just practicing a playbook. 
<laughs> for the future. Yeah. Which is terrible. Beta test is it now? Beta test with Russia. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, 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 they test on Iran, right? Then then now they are testing on Russia. Um, then then maybe after this beta, they will roll it out into the US if, if anything yes. ever happens. But again, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's just it's just scary, right? Yeah. It yeah. is, it is. But I think at the same time, right, for coconuts and our listeners out there, right, there's, of course, a lot of things in there, a lot of variables, potentials, in all fairness, I don't think has been this high between US and Russia, US and China as well. But let's focus on the things we can, right? Um, so while there are tensions out here in Asia as well, for those listening, let's focus on what we can, what we do. Um, and for me, Personally, just worry about the fundamentals, whether that business or that industry is affected by these tensions, and then go that way when it comes to your investments. Um, before we maybe move on to the next topic, uh, any quick tips for our coconuts and, and listeners out there with their portfolios and worried about war and how it will affect them? I think um, nothing Nothing really changed. The playbook is still pretty much the same. Um, just, you know... You, we're going to see higher rates uh, by the <laughs> by December 2023 for sure. Um, yeah. It's unlikely that the Fed's going to stray away from uh, what has already been a predetermined uh, tightening path. They they need they need it to happen, but I think uh, what's going to happen in the short short run, which is um, you're going to see stronger US dollar, wider credit spreads, uh, maybe even lower equities. I mean, for sure, mm. lower equities. Yeah. Um, all of which will be challenging for the Fed, challenging for us as well as investors. Um, and how do we then, you know, uh, prepare ourselves and create a more insulated portfolio? That's something that we should all think about. But definitely, uh, playbook don't really change. We have already discussed this for for a Got while. I, I think. Well, it's I, I guess. I guess goal. utilities yeah. are a bit like. Higher risk now, especially like yeah, on major, right? So so yeah, so, so may, may, I've maybe been not exactly that the for same, the longest right? of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's running well, okay. guys. We, we, yeah. Okay, let let let's segue a bit, right? So so is is this commodities thing going to be sustained, or is it? Uh, well, I guess pricing in in a sense that people anticipate restrictions coming in, so you know that, and therefore supply constraints in the future, and then that's why it's been rising. I think that that's the question, right? Like we're at hundred oil. Are we at hundred oil, or did it fall back below? Can't remember. Oh, um, I don't know what the current rate is. But you know, yeah, it is. Are we expecting like further increases? Essentially, right? To, to like hundred twenty, hundred fifty. I don't think it's ever gone that high. Oh, I mean, the way I see it is more of. Um... It's definitely it's definitely never run that high. You're you're right to say that. But I mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the core reasons for this have, having to happen is that. Um, one was what we have already discussed is the whole supply chain issues and um, how yep. commodities is uh, in some sense the flight to safety when when people look it, uh, to having a rising rising rate hike which we already discussed mm. then the whole thing yeah. about the war happening and, and how Russia you know having a whole oil I mean so long as you hear Russia oil and then you know, everyone will just like in the, in the short run, <laughs> we'll just rush towards it and say like, okay, we gotta buy oil. Yep. Yeah, we gotta do something about it. Um, <laughs> oil is at hundred right now. Um, it's expensive right. for sure. Uh, yeah, but I think it's 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 not gonna be su- sustained to be to be at its all time high for for so long. Definitely, it's gonna it's gonna mm-hmm. drop. Uh, you're gonna see. Uh, other more important commodities like your precious metal running a little bit higher as well because of um, you know the it's not just 
it's not just because of the war, but a lot of developments having to go on projects that uh, the different countries, the yeah. different developed countries are covering. So all of which will definitely use this precious metal and it's all happening post-COVID. It, it's definitely going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Okay, wait. Then one last question on this. How, as a retail, how do you actually get exposure to like oil, right? Or, or right. commodities? Because you know, I was thinking, yeah. okay, fine, you buy in oil majors, but that's does exact, exactly work now, right? Um, so so is there like an oil product that you can buy? I think there's there's a couple of like oil, uh, sorry, like commodity ETFs that uh you can you can buy into. Mm. Um, I know of like uh GRN. Um, those those are which like you can buy carbon and stuff like that. Those those are like. Yeah. If you are, if you believe that carbon is going to be a big thing because of the whole carbon trading, which is also you know running in yeah. parallel to us, yeah, some people are looking into that. Um, if not, you yeah. you have like uh, D- DBC, which is like um, it it track is an index that tracks uh, the the commodity prices. Uh, GS mm-hmm. GSG as well, which is iShares uh, S and P GSCI commodity index. Um, so. Okay. These are just index, commodity index that they, they track. So these are indexes that, that track the price of the yeah, underlying yeah, asset yeah. rather than having to go yeah. through a different company. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, exactly. Cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because I was thinking buy utilities, but hmm, buying the majors now are a bit scary, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. know exactly what they are. Um, Maybe across the board as an indice. Yeah, you, you, you don't really know what, what their tra- Russia exposure is and how they might be sanctioned. You might Absolutely. give up like a, a good asset for cheap. And and the second is, you know, a lot of their sales contracts are actually long-term contracts. So spot prices don't matter that much to them in, in the short run, right? It, it doesn't. I think even last earnings, you know, we were talking about high gas prices, but Shell never actually profited from, from high spot. Right? Or they profited yes. very little because they, they, they have a lot of um sales purchases that are tied up already, you know, when, when they are talking about developing a project itself. So, so yeah, I think if, if you want commodities exposure, probably best to get it direct through, through like GSG or something rather than um, buying Shell or buying BP or, or one of the other majors. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for that. I think that was a good discussion. And of course, back to basics. Lastly, <laughs> all right, Anthony, you've got five minutes. Let's go. Come on, man. I mean, I'm not talking about war anymore. <laughs> do, do we need to go back and talk about like Web 2 and like, you know, platform economy? <laughs> That's so boring yes. after this. Okay, yes, but yes. Um, block, Square, um, whatever Jack Dorsey wants to call it now, right? They, they had earnings last week. It was decent earnings, I think, but the, the market went crazy. Mm. I think it, it was one of those, they, they had earnings pre-open and it was one of those days where it was like from the, the lowest pre-open price to the the highest point post-close, it, they, the share price had moved 50%, right? So, wow. so it, oh. uh, sorry, their, their earnings were post-close. So, so from the lowest point of the day to, to the highest point post-close, it was 50% move, right? It was insane. Um, partially market sentiment had, had changed you know, intraday because of some news. I can't remember what, who, who can, you know, everyday changes yes. and the story changes. But you know, the, the earnings itself were, were decent. Um, they, they had decent growth in revenues. It was 51% up, uh, excluding Bitcoin revenues. Right? It was 51% up year on year. 
Then they're expecting another 38, 40% next year or this year, FY22, which is again quite decent. You know, gross profits up. So they're actually a profitable company. I, I think, you know, it's one of those like archetypical growth stocks, right? So I think it's very interesting to look at the story rather than the, the numbers because the numbers are, oh yeah, you know, it's, it's tracking, it's good. So, you know, when, when we talk about, I don't know, what, what do you guys think about Square? Like, like is it, what, what's the product? I'm not sure. Be, be, besides transitioning to blockchain, right? <laughs> and yeah, the, that's the only aspect of Square I do know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest, really. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not something that I'm super familiar with, like block, square, whatever you want to call it, right? Like this guy started from Twitter and then go, <laughs> went into like this whole... Yes. You mean Jack Dorsey, la, not square. Like, la. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean Jack Dorsey. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, the, the CEO, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know how to feel about it because one is that they, they did an acquisition on Afterpay, right? Yep. And... Yes. And like, who who really heard about Afterpay, to be honest? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're Australian, you did, because they were the largest BNPL uh, provider yeah, but, in Australia. And listed, yeah, but, but you know, they're Australia, of, so it doesn't count. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of stick as well, right? Because of the of the Afterpay and the credit card debts and in the kind of just sort of in that zone where people think like, yep. okay, if I don't pay this on time, then interest and all of that, right? So I think there's that bit, yeah. bit of stigma there as well. With regard yeah, to so Afterpay. there was like, yeah, I mean, Rakesh, Rakesh said it right, right? Like there was a huge, there was a huge buha with them having to be like, oh, harmful for the consumer. Um, and, you know, you put people at risk of the whole, you know, uh, vicious cycles of debt and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, when Block acquired them, then I was just like, oh, okay. Is, I, I mean, what's the, what's the value proposition here? Like, yep. I, I mean, you are a payments company, yes, you... Maybe you want to transit into more of a blockchain-ish uh, payments company, <laughs> but what what's what's really the play? I I, I don't see. I don't it. I don't know I really the play. I don't, I don't know the play. Yeah. Tell us, Anthony. Yeah. Okay. We, us. we 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 probably <laughs> want to do a stock kick out on this if if people are interested, right? Because because there's quite a bit to to unpack. But I think essentially it's it's trying to create an ecosystem, right? So they they mm-hmm. have. Two, three, three main product lines probably. One is seller focused, so so your um, vendors and all that. Um, essentially, you know, they did Square started off as a dongle, so you attach a dongle to a terminal, you can process card payments. Same as what Apple thinks they are so innovatively doing the iPhone. Well, Square did it with a dongle, right? Um, and and from there they expanded within sellers to to other parts of you know services to sellers. So they had. They could do payroll for you. They, they could do uh, this and that. I don't even know what they do because they are really US focused. But essentially, what, what was interesting to me is that from the seller, seller part of the ecosystem itself, you know, from the latest earnings, uh, but 38% of, of profit came from sellers using four or more products. So, so it's not just a dongle anymore. It's um, their, their payroll, their, their tax processing system. It's the other parts that companies need to have as service providers to run a business, right? That, that's where Square is trying to expand into and, and they build a whole. It's like CRM, right? Or Salesforce or all uh, or, or your other you know, sales-type companies. Effectively sort of creating an ecosystem so that you keep buying from yes. them and then you sort of upgrade, right? So their re- customer retention yes. strategy is, is effectively, or their customer retention number is above the 100% that we spoke about because they just keep buying and buying yep. more of their products. Exactly, right? And mm-hmm. And... And but instead of only having the seller ecosystem, they have a buyer ecosystem as well, 
right? So 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 they have Cash App, which is which is again very US focused, but it's pretty much the number one downloaded finance app in the US last year, right? They it's growing user base again in the US only at twenty two percent. Their gross profit right. per per active user is increasing. So you know they they are big. They are building that buyer ecosystem as well. Right? So so you think about something like Shopify. They have a seller ecosystem. They they're building a lot of things for sellers, but nothing for a buyer. Right? How how do you reach the buyer? That's something. Whereas Square is slightly different because it kind of builds both ends of the ecosystem together. Right? Let let's not mm. talk about blockchain because it, it's too up in the air. Nobody really knows what what they're doing there. <laughs> like, like honestly, like you want to build a Bitcoin wallet? Who, who cares, right? Um, right? Unless you are super innovative, you know. Um, they they do Bitcoin trading, but it's super low margin. So when you look at their revenues, you, you take out Bitcoin trading because that, that's just a quote in re- reporting. And and you know, just just going back to the, the whole point about after pay and and buy now pay later. That that's just building on the ecosystem. To, to my mind, right? Because I mean, if to, the, the, have you all tried using like. A firm or pays or something in Singapore? No, sorry, I'm no. staying no, away from all the buy now pay later companies for now. No, it, it's it's great, right? I, like I, I was look as oh, of course I bought like a massage head and you you download from pays you pay in installments they give you a discount so it's cheaper to pay in installments and all they do oh, is okay. they they charge yeah. a credit card for it. So if you don't oh, pay, again. then that's on your credit card, right? The 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 merchant I, I is to pay the yeah. Atomi, Atomi has a similar yes, proposition exactly. as well. I, I right. So, yeah, so yeah. Th- these are all the buy now, pay later um things, and and that's building out, you know, the, the interaction between the, the buyer and the seller ecosystem, right? So you can open your your buy now, pay later app, whatever it is, you know, search for discounts and buy, right? And and ideally, you know, if you are Square and you are a Square merchant, you will be, you know, there's there's higher visibility. They they want to sign people up to to the well, buy now, pay later platform as well. So I think that that's where you see that the interaction between mm. the, the seller and buyer ecosystems coming in, right? And we don't know. Uh, the, the acquisition just closed in January, so we don't know what effect it will be. But yeah, I mean, that, that just seems interesting. Yeah, and and uh, I guess the, the long-term play is to, you know, that this whole closed ecosystem builds up and, and becomes something different and interesting. I mean, I hear you. I, I hear you with regards to what they're trying to build, but... Uh, I, I don't get it because one of the other thing that they uh major uh they have own major ownership was uh is Tidal. The yeah. the Spotify. Oh, they don't own Tidal. That one they that one yes, that one is Jack Dorsey being Jack Dorsey, right? Like, okay. like yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on with that. Yeah. And it, it's not cheap, you know, it's not cheap. Yeah. Yes. In that sense. Yeah. They, they they'll be the next audience or whatever blockchain music is like <laughs> on right now. I didn't know. I, I, I don't wait, know. Wait, I don't isn't, know. Isn't Tidal um was it Jay Z or Kanye West's thing, and then they sold Jay-Z. it? Yeah, yeah, Jay Z, Jay Z, yeah. Jay-Z. Right. Okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's Jack Dorsey doing? Yeah. I don't know. Right. He, he's 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 interesting. Confused. Confused. So. Yeah. He 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 he's eccentric lah. Let's put it that way. He's rich, so he's eccentric. If he's poor, he's weird. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool, no, but I think yeah, it's so, so they own Tidal, right? the, they want to do blockchain, yeah. but you know, that's 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 options, right? That's that that's options that we don't know where they play into, I think. Mm. And I think it's 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 quite interesting to note, right? Because the buy now pay later thing, people might offer it. Like for example, if I was a store and I'm putting myself in, in a store, right? People can't come out during the pandemic, I'm gonna put it up on this ecosystem. 
I'm going to only get effectively, my cash flow is not going to come in all at once, right? And I don't know how they're going to play this between the seller and the merchant, right? Uh, as well as their, their software. But as a seller, say I'm buying this chair, right? This chair that I'm sitting on, I'm willing to sell mm-hmm. it at the same price, but I'll receive it in three blocks of payments in one in month one, one in month four, one in month seven, right? So I would actually be okay with that because nobody's coming to my store. And at the same time, yep. I'd be okay with that because I can also then guarantee where my cash flow is in a few months' time. And then if you have enough of that, you effectively have a stream of, of income coming through already through a different way of, of selling your chair. So yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think you know, if we are going to be super bullish about buy now, pay later, and look, I have my doubts, right? But if you're going to be super bullish, you can say that uh, it's some sort of like omni-channel strategy, right? Because at the end of the day, it, it's, capturing your, it's capturing your online payments in an offline store. Right, you're you're not really going. I mean, if you're going to buy your chair online, that's fine, right? You you would have been able to pay by installments without that. Buy now, pay later is easy for that. But what's been interesting about it is that it's expanded a lot to offline stores. So you know mm-hmm. your court's installment plan. Um, this this is pretty much an extension of it, right? With with more technological bells and whistles and and more merchants because you don't need the you don't need Visa or Mastercard to to work with the merchant to to offer an installment plan, right? You have this intermediary that, that goes out and, and tries to you know, be the middleman, essentially. Yeah. And, and that's where yeah, that, sure. that, that's what the buy now pay later company is doing. Right. Um, you know, are, are they really going to be very effective at it? How what's the credit risk or that? I think it's it's a business model that's still playing out. It it could very well be like Uber where your you know CAC is just way overboard and, and you are not going to make any money yet. But if you are square, maybe it doesn't matter as much, right? Because you, you actually want people in your ecosystem and your seller and buyer ecosystem to grow so that you so that you can make money off on the other ends, parts of the product. Right? So, so if you're someone like Pace or Affirm or um, I can't remember, there's so many of them, Atomi, right? maybe you're burning VC cash and you're worried. But if you're Square where it's part of a broader ecosystem, then fine, even if the you know, unit, unit economics don't work out. You're bleeding out, less, then, like, in other words. It, yeah, you're, you're bleeding less or you are bringing people in the ecosystem, building that network effect and in the longer run, you know, yeah. playing more. Because at the end of the day, if all other competitors' ecosystems don't work, then, then you are the winner, right? There, there's, there's nobody else who can give a viable BNPL product. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm actually quite bullish square, come to think about it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just started this entire segment by saying, you know, I'm super bullish about it. If you want to be, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think look, there's drawbacks, there's risks, right? Um, it, it's it's you you have to see it as a growth story. It's it's not value, um, at, at all. PE is high, I think. PS is high, but at the very least, they have free cash flow and they have you know mm. positive gross profit. So so it's not amplitude. <laughs> hey 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 hey, chill chill. You'll see it. You'll see it. Yes. Okay, enough. Not digressing. <laughs> yeah, enough. enough. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, folks, for, for, for spending the time. Thanks, Coconuts, for listening. Hope you enjoyed today. Um, please stay safe. And if you are listening, uh, you know, in, in the conflict regions, we send our best. Thanks, and we'll see you all next week. Yes. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh, and trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group, or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. 
As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.